Amen. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 to 20. Verse 13 says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Then he sternly warned the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. And for today, if you are taking notes, I would like to use for a topic today. Get your eyes checked. Get your eyes checked. Have you guys ever seen those movies? I watch a lot of movies. I'm a movie watcher. Hey, man, any moviegoers, movie watchers in the house? Okay, y'all watch movies. Y'all ever see those movies where there'll be a particular scene that the movie revolves around, a particular set of actions, some type of car accident or some type of someone being killed. And over the course of the next two hours, they will show you every person's perspective of how that thing happened. So if someone was, you know, a homicide in a building, they will show you what the CEO saw that day, what he saw when he was driving into work, when he got up to his floor, his office, how he spoke to the secretary. They will show you everything that he saw that led up to that, that killing. Right. And then the next part, they will show you what the janitor saw on the way there, the same scene. And then the next part, they'll show you what the, what the, uh, you know, the CFO, what he saw when he came in. And then the next thing, they'll show you what the people down on the first floor, the check-in folks and the security guards, the entire movie will be revolved around all of the different perspectives that these people saw of this same event taking place. This same robbery, this same accident, this same thing, right? These different perspectives, these different view points of view. And one of the things when I thought about this and I thought about perspective and I thought about point of view, I realized that though I am not old, I'm only 33, about to be 34 uh, next week. Amen. Uh, though I am not old, I am older than I was, you know, earlier. I'm not 20 anymore. And even though I am not old, I am older enough to know that Sometimes over life, your perspective will change on things. Some of you guys who are further along than me, maybe you're 40, maybe you're 50, maybe you're 60. Realize that, man, at 60, I don't think like I thought at 30. I have a different perspective on this. And, and I can say for me at 33, I got a different perspective on a lot of things that I thought at 23 or at 13. Right. Things begin to change. And, and what we would hope is that. Our perspective is growing and we are evolving in our perspectives of life, whether that be on money whether that be on relationships, whether that be on family, whether that's on sex, whether that's on friendships, we would hope that as we mature, our perspectives are growing, evolving, becoming deeper, becoming more defined, more refined, and hopefully becoming wiser. Amen. And the thing is, the reason our perspectives change, a lot of times I think it comes just experience will change your perspective. 
Age will change your perspectives. And a lot of times it's life's circumstances that will cause your perspective to change. If you meet someone who was on their deathbed with cancer for eight months and they were, they were on death's door about to see Jesus, they probably coming out of that with a whole different perspective on what it means to value your time, what it means to treat every day like it's your last. If I say that to someone who survived being nearly ran over by a tractor trailer, they might say, I take that a little more seriously, Pastor Corey. Or someone who, has, who, who may have come off with, uh, uh, lost their job at the last minute, right? They have a different perspective of what it means to maybe save money, how, what it means to actually have multiple streams of income, what it means to know that, wait a minute, this job can't be my every and all because they might just get let me up out of here <laughs> with no notice. Or a breakup in a relationship, right, may cause you to now approach dating differently, approach relationships differently, approach kids differently, approach family differently. The thing I'm trying to say is that our perspectives will change over time and we hope they are changing for the better. In this passage today, one of the things that Jesus is showing us is how our perspectives, our points of view has to be sanctified and has to be submitted to him. Our point of view and our perspective has to be sanctified and submitted to Christ. That's why I say get your eyes checked. Now, I've never worn glasses. I see some glasses in its contacts. I've never had that. So I can see him in the name of Jesus. But at the same time, there's this idea that the way we see a certain thing, the way we view our circumstance, the way we view life has to be sanctified and sanctified. I mean, set apart, transformed by Christ and has to be submitted to him. And this is the thing I want you to remember this is that all of the 12 people, eight people in this room, whatever, nine, 10 people in this room, we all have different perspectives on a lot of things. And this is the thing. We don't all have to see it the same, but we all have to submit it to Christ. Because if I start to talk to you about politics right now, we might have some different perspectives on these politics. If I talk to you about money, we may have some different perspectives. If I talk to you about marriage, we may have some different perspectives and some different opinions. But all of those opinions have to be submitted to the Lordship of Jesus. We don't have to see it the same, but it all has to be sanctified. We don't have to always see it the same, but it all has to be submitted to Christ. We don't all have to agree on everything, but we all have to be in agreement that Jesus is Lord over all of this, however we view it. And so let's go into the text today. The Bible says that Jesus comes to the region of Caesarea Philippi, and it says that he now begins to refine the perspectives of his disciples. Go to verse 13. It says this. It says, when Jesus came to that region, Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, it's the first question. He says, who do people say that I am? He first begins with an examination of the crowd. He begins with an examination of the crowd, but he's asking his disciples and he's asking them what around you is fueling your perspective. Who are the people around you that are fueling how you see me? Who are the people around you that are fueling how you see God? Who are the people around you that are fueling your faith? What are your friends saying about Jesus? What are your coworkers saying about God? And I'm, I'm not saying it's something bad. I'm saying, what is the conversation of faith that you surround yourself with when you leave these four walls every Sunday? What is it that my family says? What the people I follow on social media, pick one that you like, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. The people that you follow, the most, what are they saying about God? What is, it, what is it that they are saying that is fueling now how you possibly see him and how you view, you and I view Christ? And in this day and age, just like in the times of scripture, there were so many opinions about who Jesus was. 
Not none of none of them. Not, I said not none of them. Jesus, none of them were in agreement on who Jesus was. The people around in the culture, in the crowd, some were saying he was the devil. Some were saying he was just a guy who had some good messages. Some were saying he was the Messiah. They were not all succinct. They was all, and, and this is the thing, what, what we see about in our day and age is that there's still not a consensus for many people. Some will say the Bible is just a tool for oppression. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago, how people say the Bible was used to beat down slaves and all of that, right? Some say that Christ was just, he was just a good man. He was just a good teacher. All these different perspectives. But the question he's asking him, where are you getting your information from about God? Where are you getting your information about God? Me and Archer were talking a couple weeks ago and I was telling her I was feeling tired. I was like, man, I'm feeling so tired this week. Da, 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 da. And after a long conversation, she said, Corn, what is fueling you though? She said, what are you doing to fill your tank up each and every week after you go and you preach so hard and you sing and you with the leaders and this and that, you doing ministry. She says, how are you filling your tank back up? Maybe you're tired because you're filling it with junk. Maybe what is what is fueling you is not exactly fuel. Junk food will get you. It'll fill you up for a second. But after three or four days of eating junk food, you're going to feel like garbage at the end of those three days. Right. That's why we shouldn't eat McDonald's and stuff. Jesus, those chicken nuggets be good, though. So but she's asking me, what is it that is fueling you? And in this case, what is fueling your perspective of God? What is fueling my perspective? of God? What, what kind of people am I listening to? What kind of people am I getting advice from? Because Jesus recognized that the disciples, though they were with them for three years, they weren't with them all the time. They were with them every waking moment of every day. They had to go home. They had families, too. Some of them continued their work. Some of them did not. Right. They had people that they were around, too. They had extended them. They had all these things, former co-workers, all of that. And he said, what has been fueling your perspective of me? And this is the next thing. Go to verse 14. That's the first question. He says, what is fueling our perspective? Verse 14, it says this. It says, well, they said. Some say, well, they replied to him, the disciples, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah and others say you are Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And I want to ask this next question in their reply is that is my perspective good or is it God? I want you to hear that again. Is my perspective good or is it God? The reason I say that is this. The disciples, when they revealed what the crowd had been saying of him, when they revealed the chatter about him, they mentioned some very good people. John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, a prophet. That's a good thing to be compared to. That's that's great. John the Baptist is the forerunner. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. Elijah, man, calling down. For, I mean, that's that's great company. If somebody said, my God, Dad, you got an Elijah anointing on your life. You be like, man, I'm, I'm doing something right. We would take that in the church world as believers. We would take that as a compliment. But this is the thing. It was a good comparison, but it was not what God was doing through Christ in the earth. Y'all got to hear this. It was good. It was good to be compared to John the Baptist. It was good to be compared to Jeremiah. It was good to be compared to Elijah. But what God was doing through Christ in the earth was not the move of Elijah. It was not the move of John the Baptist. And it was not the move of Jeremiah. It was good for that time. But is that what God is doing now? And this is why the Bible encourages us always and, and commands us. You have to be led by my spirit because my spirit is moving. My spirit is not staying in a dead place on a move that happened 77 years. Yeah, that was a revival 77 years ago in Azusa uh, in 1900. But this is 2020. What is God doing now? And when we resist the urge to be led by his spirit, we will just settle for good. 
and not what God is doing now. We will say, oh, that was good. Yeah, I got saved back then. Yeah, you got saved back then. But when was the last time you laid at the altar? When was the last time you fasted? When was the last time I've been in my world? Have I just settled for that was good? Then I'm glad you're saved. But what is God moving in you now? What is God pushing in you now? What is God pushing and developing and calling you to now? What is his spirit leaning on us now? Are we just saying I'm leaning on an old move, an old way? And I think about this even as a pastor, an old model of ministry. That was good for Rick Warren in 83. That was good for Joel Osteen in, in 01. That was great. TDJ, I love TD Jakes, but I can't, we can't build off a of TD Jakes model. His church started in 1985. <laughs> that was a model that worked for that man, for that division God gave him, right? And I say this not just for church stuff, but for your life. What, what am I trying to build and do now off an old model, an old perspective, and an old way of seeing things? Though it was good, is it what God is doing now? And we have to be led continually by his Holy Spirit because he says, if you if you do not do that, you will miss what I'm doing now. Everything will become a monument of the past and not a movement of my spirit today. Everything will become a monument of the past and not a movement of my spirit today. And so he's saying how the crowd is seeing this. They are the reason they are seeing this in the crowd is because they haven't walked closely enough with Christ to know that's not what God is doing now. The reason the crowd was able to say, oh, maybe he's John the Baptist, maybe he's Jeremiah, because the crowd is so far away from him. Follow me at such a distance that they're not seeing that that's not what God is doing now. But the disciples, as we'll see from Peter in a second, were close enough to see. Come on, y'all hear me. They walked closely enough with Christ to know uh, you're not John the Baptist. You are the Messiah. Because they have walked closely enough with him to know the real thing. But if we settle for following with the crowd, we will settle for monuments of the past. Monument, oh, man, God was doing that thing back in the day. Yeah, that, but, but, but when you get closer, you will say, well, wait a minute. This is, this is, this is, I, I joke with Archer. I was like, we're doing 2030 ministry. We need to be, that's where we're at right now because we're, we're making a decision to walk closely enough, right up on them, right with the spirit and say, God, I want to be with what you're doing. Now, I want to see what you are doing. Now, I want my, my eyes, my perspective to be seeing what you are doing now. Not just settling for good, but reaching for and continually chasing after what God is doing now. So the first thing he says, what is fueling this perspective? And the next thing is, that, is it just good or is it what God is doing now? And then Jesus gets into the meat of it a little more. He gets to the real question. Now he says, after all that, he says, now who do people, who do you rather say that I am to his disciples? And he asks him, now, what, now what, how do you see this thing? What is your perspective on this thing? How are you viewing it with all of the influence around me? With all of the, the people speaking around me, with all of the media around me, with all of the news around me, with all of the family around me and the coworkers around me, he gets down to the me. He says, now, how are you viewing me? How are you seeing me? Is your perspective just based on the talk of others or has it now gotten to the substance of your heart? Am I still continually depending on the testimonies of those that are long gone? Or have I now gotten a real relationship with Christ for myself, a real revelation of him for myself? As Kimberly saying, and Omar says, show me your glory. I want to see it for myself. And this is the thing, too. Not only how do we see him, but also not only that, but what are you telling yourself about me? What are you telling yourself about God? 
What are you rehearsing to yourself about who God is? I've said this before a while ago. The thing about faith, the Bible says faith comes by hearing. I believe there's a principle. For some reason, you need to hear yourself talk faith. Not just nobody else. You and me, rather, all of us. You need to hear yourself speak faith words out of your own mouth. Because when it, it comes out of your mouth and your ears, just like I hear what you're saying, you hear what you're saying. So there's a principle when we talk about seeing God the right way, because sometimes we'll say, oh, I see it. I'm reading the word. But what am I saying about God? Am I speaking? You know what, God, I know things are this right now. But God, you will provide because you are a provider. God, I know this is tough right now, but God, you will deliver me out of this. I know God, I, there's, a, there's, a, there's a principle that we have to hear ourselves talk faith. And if you're in the car riding at the light and you're talking, you might look crazy for a second. But you recognize that, wait a minute, I'm not just sitting here talking by myself. I am, I am declaring to my own self the goodness of God. God, you are good. God, you are merciful. God, I am forgiven. You know what, God, I am free. God, I am, as his word says, more than a conqueror. I need to hear myself say it. Because it's like something in my heart, it has to get out and come right back into my ears and go right into my heart. I have to hear myself rehearse the faithful ways of God, rehearse the faithful works of God, rehearse the faithful words of God. He says, when you begin to do this, this will begin to shift and change and correct your perspective of me. Because what began to happen is that as we see, when you begin, when you and I begin to face different things in life, trials, obstacles, circumstances, people will always come to you with all of their opinions about what you should do. Well, you know, Corey, if I was you, you know, I would, you know, I would, I would just, you know, I would, blah, 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 all this stuff. But the real grief, the real meat of it, like Christ is, is asking his disciples, you see, I know what they're saying you should do. I know what they're saying you should do with your money, with your relationship. I know what they're, but what do you see about me? And what God, what have you seen of me that is fueling your faith? And what are you saying about me that is fueling your faith? What is your perspective? We do an eye exam. What's that thing called where they examine you? You know the big, oh, some things called. It's called the Amatron uh, something. Okay. That's not what it's called. <laughs> but he says, when I'm correcting your sight, it's important to know that your words are influencing what you see as well. So he says, what is fueling you? Is it good or is it God? What do you, who do you say that I am? And Peter answers so skillfully. This verse has been quoted so many times in verse 16. He says, you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And, God, and, and Jesus says to him, when he says this revelation, in the midst of culture's controversies, Simon Peter has a clear revelation of Christ. Y'all better hear that again. In the midst of culture's controversies, in the midst of culture's controversies, Simon has a clear revelation of who Christ is. He has a clear understanding that he is Messiah, Savior, the anointed one, right? And, and Simon declares this, and I'm kind of going to move a little quicker. But Jesus says, you are blessed, Simon. He calls him blessed. And he says, you're blessed because you have... You're blessed because you have a clear revelation of Christ. Blessing. I'm, I'm another preacher was talking about this. He said, blessing is not money. 
He said, ain't got nothing to do with money. He said, the blessing, he said, he said, the blessing is a, is a hunger for God. That's the way he said it. He said, the blessing is a hunger. The Bible says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. This is what his name, his name was, uh, Mr. Ferguson, Jonathan Ferguson. I heard him talking one day and I thought about that as I thought this, Jesus said to him, he says, you're blessed because you know who I am. You blessed because you know, you blessed because you have a clear revelation of Christ. And if you have a clear revelation of Christ, he said the money, the this and that, he said that won't phase you as much because you will know that I'm God bigger than just a check. I'm God bigger than just some money in your savings account. Yeah, I want you to have it, but I am God beyond that. And so he says, he says, you're blessed because you have a clear revelation of me, a purified perspective that can only come from God. He has a purified perspective that can only come from God. He said, you didn't get this from man. You get, you didn't get this from just talk at work, but you got this by revelation of the father. That's why I love that song. I keep referencing it, but that's it was saying, God, show us your glory. Reveal yourself to us in a clear way. That way, in the midst of controversy, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of this person is saying that, this news outlet is saying that, this religion is saying that, these people are saying this, in the midst of the chaos and controversy, we can be anchored because I know whom I serve. I know who my Savior is, and that is the Messiah, the Lord of all. And this is the next thing he's doing. I'm moving, wrapping up here just a second. This is the next thing here is that not only does Peter is called blessed because of his clear perspective and revelation of who Christ is, but this is a key thing that he does, that God does. In verse 18, he turns to Peter, to Simon rather, what is what he called. And he says, now you are Peter. He says, now you are Peter, which the word Peter means rock in the Greek rock. Right. And he says, upon this rock, not on Peter per se, but on the revelation that Peter has, the revelation that Christ is the Messiah. He says, I will build my church. But I want you to recognize what what Jesus does. He says, Peter, you come to me. You, you show me. You, you, you recognize that you have a clear revelation of me. Right. And then Jesus turns to him and said, now let me give you a better understanding of who you really are. Let me give you a better view of who you really are, because the more you get to know him, the more he reveals who you are. The more you get a revelation of him, the more we hunger and thirst after him, the more we seek after him, the more we are in his word, the more, the more we fast and pray. We get a clear revelation of him. But remember, Jesus says, I am the light. So when I come in. I bring clarity to your life. I bring clarity to your mind. He says, so the more you get to know me, I can turn to you and say, now let me continue to reveal to you, Simon, that you are not just Simon, the son of John or Barjona, as some translation says. You're not just his son. You're not just the identity of your father. You have a new identity as a rock in me. Let me show you more of who you really are. But that came after Peter said, I have now first a clear revelation of Christ. God turns to us in that same way and says, let me reveal more of who you really are to yourself. Let me show you things about your personality that you didn't know. Let me show you things about your past that you had forgotten about. Let me show you why that affects this. Let me show you things about that relationship that you weren't quite seeing. Let me show you where you were wrong there. Let me show you where you were right here. But that starts with the clear understanding of who our God is. Getting a clear view of him. Getting a clear perspective of him. And then in turn, he responds by giving us a clear understanding of who we are in him. And I want you to see how God does this. 
In this passage in Matthew 16, he starts with the perspectives of the crowd. He starts way out there with the crowd's perspectives. And then he deals with the view of the disciples. How do you guys see me? And then then the movie shifts to Peter's view. Y'all, we bringing it back in. Now, Peter, how do you see? Oh, you see the Messiah. And then the last final scene of this movie, Jesus comes from his perspective. Now, let me show you the different. He deals. Jesus deals fully with the perspectives of everyone on the scene to say, how are we all seeing who this guy and what he does? He deals and calibrates the perspectives of his disciples. Get your eyes checked. He says, let me tweak, let me turn, let me see what's causing this and let me make sure we walk away with this with a clear understanding that I am Lord and Savior first of all. And let me show you who you are in me. This is the last thing here. When we talk about perspective, if you keep reading in chapter 16 and if you go to chapter 17 of Matthew, this is the point where Jesus takes uh, Matthew, James and John up on the mountain. And the Bible says that he is transfigured in front of them. Basically, he takes off his earthly suit and he shows his glory to them there. Right. And the Bible says that Peter, James and John, that they fall down. Right. And Peter's like, oh, let's make a, you know, let's make three tabernacles right here. One for you. One for uh, he's like, let's build a monument here. Right. I want you to see something in chapter 17. Jesus in the natural shows his glory to this same Peter. Right. These same disciples. But before he showed them in the natural, he checked their spiritual perspective first. He says, without me, without me naturally showing you my transfigured glory, let me see if you have a revelation of my glory first. See, a revelation of his glory starts in faith first. And then he deals with Peter. He says, now that you have a revelation of my glory by faith. Now I will now take you in the next chapter and show it to you in the natural. We take a principle from that. What are you waiting to see that you're like, God, I don't see it. God, it's not happening. God, it's not. He says, are you seeing it in faith first? Are you believing it in the faith spot first? Are you believing it by revelation of the father? And maybe and maybe I'm not I'm not saying God is not doing it. I'm just saying I'm throwing out a thought for you. Maybe I will begin to see it in the natural when I first in the spirit say, I know who you are. When I first by faith say, I'm seated. When I first by say, God, we got that new building. That thing is coming. We see it. That's all. I got the keys. They're right here. God, he said, maybe. And I'll just use my own, you know, my own situation. I'm like, God, I believe we're going to see. We're going to see these chairs full. I see every time I come to preach, I'm preaching to hundreds and thousands. And I, 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 he says, maybe. And you take this for your own life. What are you believing to see in the natural? What are you believing to see manifest in the natural, whether it's the job, whether it's the car, whether it's the house, whether it's the marriage, whatever it is, whether it's the healing, whether it's the family saved. What am I believing for to see in the, in the natural that I need to take faith for in the spirit first? And he says, maybe there's a principle there that if we would say, God, by faith, I believe that it is mine. I believe that I have. He says, then at that point, maybe just at that point, it would now show up in the natural. But it starts with a perspective of faith, seeing him first in a place of faith, having a right perspective of him, seeing that he is first Lord and Savior and allowing him to show me who I am in him. So I say to you today, get your eyes checked, get your perspective checked of how you are seeing Father God, how you are speaking about what God is doing in your life. And not only that, how you are speaking about what you're facing right now. What your tri- whatever trials you're facing, whatever obstacles you're facing, whatever hiccups, you're- what are you saying about that thing? 
What has been my perspective on that thing? Have I been speaking doubt over it? Or have I been speaking faith that this thing is breaking open? This thing is opening up and I'm moving into what God has for us now. Amen. 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 I pray you all receive the word today. I pray that you receive it. I pray that God does a, a, a work in your heart. And I pray over these next six or seven days that you will meditate on that. That you will say, God, just like they say earlier, I'm reference it again. God, show me your glory. God, show us your glory. God, show us who you are. God, reveal yourself to us. We thank you for that. And, and we're going to pray here. 